Welcome to the Eating Habits for Life podcast. I'm Kate Johnston, certified habit coach, wife, stepmom, and former physician assistant. I help career women finally break free from their unhealthy eating habits. If you're ready to start feeling your best, then I can show you how. Let's go. Hi there, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're able to join me today to talk about sugar. I'm not sure about you, but I feel like sugar can be seen as both good and bad, depending on the short or long-term effects, plus your own personal thoughts about it, of course. And although sugar can be seen as both good and bad, sugar cravings are typically only seen as bad. That's because of a few different things, one of which being the thought that cravings are uncontrollable. As career women, we like having control, right? So something out of our control doesn't feel too good. I want you to know that sugar cravings are neither good nor bad, though. They just are. I'll explain what I mean by that in this episode. First, just a quick announcement having to do with sugar. I'll be diving into sugar cravings today and of course how it can become a habit, but if you really want to learn how to break a sugar habit, then come to the free virtual workshop I'm hosting on September 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can watch or you can just listen in if that's easier for you. The workshop goes for about an hour, and in the workshop, I'm teaching you exactly how to break a sugar habit, and I'll also be sending you a worksheet that will help you make it easier. After I teach, I'll be answering some questions that were already pre-submitted, and then answering any others that you ask during the workshop itself. I'll also tell you a little about Food Freedom, my new program that is in membership form. You are going to love it. The purpose of the program is to help you break any bad eating habits and form any new eating habits using behavioral science plus some mindset or thought work to help. This is not a program that tells you what foods to eat and what foods to avoid. You already know a lot of those things. This program helps you to get control of your pre-existing eating habits and form any new ones you would like so that you're in control of food and you don't feel like food controls you. There are lots of different features inside the program, and because it's in membership form, you can stay for as long as you'd like. If you come to the virtual workshop on the 22nd and become a member, even if it's just for a month, I'll send a gift to your home. So fun. There will be a replay available to you if you sign up, but you have to watch or listen in live and become a member to be sent the gift. So be sure to sign up at katemjohnston.com forward slash workshop. The link will also be on the episode page and I'll email you the Zoom link to the workshop as it gets closer to the workshop date. 
Doors Open to Food Freedom, my new program on the 22nd as well, and are only open until the 30th. If you can't make the workshop and you want to become a member of Food Freedom, then make sure you receive my weekly emails or join the waitlist for Food Freedom. That way, you'll get notified when doors are open so you don't miss the window to join. You can get on the waitlist or get on my weekly email list if you aren't already with the links on the episode page under the For You section. All right, let's get back to the sugar. So just to start out with some basics first, there are different types of sugar, and for the purpose of keeping it simple, we're going to break them into two categories, natural sugars and refined sugars. Natural sugars are found in foods like fruit, honey, and even dairy. Refined sugars are found in more unnatural foods like candy, cookies, ketchup, and beverages like soda. These things don't grow in the ground. They don't come from animals. So that's why I classify these as more unnatural foods. You may have heard refined sugars also be called added sugars. That's because these foods don't naturally contain these sugars. They were added to make the food taste more sweet. I'm not going to get into the difference in these sugars from a nutritionist standpoint because I'm an eating habit coach and not a nutritionist. However, the one thing that I do want to mention because it plays a part in sugar cravings is that when you have added sugars or a food with refined sugars, same thing, The sugar is typically much greater than the sugar found naturally in, say, a piece of fruit. Because of that, it has more of an effect on sugar cravings. I'll explain why shortly. First, I just want to tell you exactly what a craving is and when you can get them. A craving is just a feeling or emotion that is experienced in your body. Yes, a craving is actually just a feeling or an emotion. I use those terms interchangeably. You can have thoughts associated with that craving, but the craving itself is a feeling or an emotion. It's just literally something that is felt physically in your body, just like relaxation or irritation, just like fatigue, happiness, anger, or stress. Just like these emotions are experienced but then pass, cravings do too. Now, it's been suggested that sugar cravings can be made worse with several things such as vitamin and mineral deficiencies, not eating enough protein and fiber, lack of sleep, dehydration, stress, but these things will occur, right? You're not a robot, you're a human, and at certain times you will have a lack of sleep. You'll be dehydrated and you'll be stressed, right? So you have to learn how to manage sugar cravings because they will occur. You can certainly try to manage the amount of cravings you get by trying to optimize sleep, staying well hydrated, managing your stress, eating nutritious foods, etc. In fact, I of course recommend trying to do some of these things if you can. However, sugar cravings will still most likely come up for you because you can't necessarily control all of these things every day, right? 
So the key to getting control of sugar cravings at home or at work, basically any place you might be when you feel a craving come on, is to be aware that the craving isn't bad. It just is. When you realize that it's just there for the ride, just like any other emotion, and you learn how to see it as that and manage it so it doesn't bother you, the craving goes away and you're on your merry way again. Cravings can be mild or they can range all the way up to being very intense, just like any other emotion like happiness or anger. And just like other emotions, several different things can cause them. Your thoughts, for one, are one of the causes of emotions. For example, when you see a chocolate chip cookie, you might think, ooh, that cookie looks really yummy. I want one. That will help to generate that craving feeling or that craving emotion. And just as thoughts can cause other emotions like irritation or excitement, they will also cause that craving emotion. Other things that can potentially contribute to cravings are those factors I mentioned previously, like lack of sleep, the nutritional deficiencies, dehydration. Yet another thing that contributes to the craving is the sugar itself and something called the mesolimbic dopamine pathway, also known as the dopamine reward pathway. You might have heard that term before. Maybe not so much the mesolimbic dopamine pathway. So your brain is made up of multiple pathways where neurons, which are nerve cells, communicate with one another, along with other chemicals such as neurotransmitters in order to form a system or pathway that has a certain function. Many of these, pretty much all of them actually, are of course to keep you alive in some way. In fact, habits are formed via pathways involving neurons as well. Now, one of those ways your brain keeps you alive is to have a reward pathway that serves as motivation to eat. This was way more necessary back in the day when food was more scarce and humans had to put a lot more effort into finding food. We have since evolved and food is much less scarce. However, your brain still needs to motivate you to eat in order to keep you alive. You might just think that eating is something you do no matter what, but it's not. You eat because of many different things going on in your body, one of which being the mesolimbic dopamine pathway. This pathway gives you a little surge of dopamine, which is the pleasure hormone, also known as the reward hormone, when you either anticipate eating food or finding food and you eat the food. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter, also known as a hormone, that provides that bit of pleasure. And they recently discovered, or fairly more recently discovered, that it is really strongly correlated with the whole reward pathway in the brain. And it serves as a reward for eating the food that helps keep you alive, that bit of pleasure you experience with the dopamine release. 
certain foods release more dopamine and sugar is one of them because sweet foods are typically higher in calories from the sugar. And when food was more scarce, a higher calorie food was more desirable. It was way more valuable. So what happens is when you eat broccoli and say a chicken breast, you get a release of dopamine via the mesolimbic dopamine pathway. This motivates your brain to want to eat again in the future to survive. Great system, right? Same thing happens when you eat a piece of fruit. So what happens when you eat a piece of cake, something with a good amount of refined sugar, is you also get a release of dopamine via that same pathway, but it's a much larger release. The mesolimbic dopamine pathway has also been linked with addictive substances like opioids and recreational drugs. Substances like these release a massive amount of dopamine. So what happens when all the dopamine is released and you get this spike? Well, with foods like broccoli and chicken breast, the spike is fairly small. So when it goes back down, it's not like a steep roller coaster ride. You get a little bit of a feeling of pleasure from eating when you're hungry, but it's not a massive amount unless broccoli and chicken breast really excite you, of course. It doesn't do that for me though. The dopamine levels then go back down to baseline. Actually, I believe they just dip slightly below baseline to create that motivation to eat again in the future, but I don't know the exact levels. What happens with the piece of cake, though, is that because there was more of a release of dopamine, therefore more of a spike upwards, there is then more of a decline and the roller coaster car dips below baseline quite a bit. This dip below baseline causes your brain to want to seek out the reward again. Basically, it causes a craving for sugar again. And remember, craving is just that feeling or that emotion. You just feel it in your body. With drugs like cocaine, the dopamine dips very, very far below baseline, causing a very strong desire to seek out that reward again, that release of dopamine. That's why researchers believe drugs like these cause these massive cravings that are so difficult to manage. Now, of course, you can experience sugar cravings when you see or smell a sugary food, like if a work colleague brings in donuts or you walk by a bakery or your significant other is eating a few cookies. You can also get sugar cravings without the sight or smell. As I mentioned earlier, some other factors may come into play like lack of sleep, but also, you can get sugar cravings at home or at work without any obvious triggers. When this occurs, a common, less obvious trigger is a negative emotion. What I mean by a negative emotion is just any feeling or emotion that is uncomfortable to you that you'd rather not experience. Examples would be agitation, anxiety, anger, boredom, maybe insecurity or sadness or loneliness. 
These can be less obvious causes of sugar cravings because you're not actually seeing or smelling the sugary food or beverage and then having the craving. Instead, what happens is you may experience a craving out of nowhere or what feels like out of nowhere. Oftentimes, though, it is due to the negative emotion. What happens is your brain likes to avoid pain and discomfort and negative emotions are uncomfortable, sometimes even painful in an emotional way, but also may be painful in a physical way. So your brain wants to avoid this discomfort by counteracting it with some pleasure. What can bring a bit of pleasure Said differently, what can bring about a release of dopamine, that reward hormone, also known as the pleasure hormone, sugar. You just learned that sugar can cause a fairly large release of dopamine, providing that pleasure or reward, right? So your brain will start to seek out ways to get more pleasure, and sugar is a quick and easy way. You go and seek out something sugary, you eat it, you get the short-term pleasure, that release of dopamine, and the negative emotion dissipates for a bit. Unfortunately, the dopamine goes back down, and as you learned with sugary foods, dips below baseline, causing you to want to seek it out again. Your brain remembers that you got pleasure from the sugar, and so next time, it keeps this in mind, making it more likely to act upon that craving and eat the sugar again, hence forming a habit. A habit is essentially a behavior that is repeated, and in order for it to be repeated, your brain needs to have something cueing or triggering it, and there needs to be a reward right after the behavior. In the case of sugar and many other foods, that reward is dopamine. Because dopamine is an indicator to your brain that you're doing something good, it is easy to repeat that behavior. Your subconscious brain interprets the sugar as quote-unquote good, even though you consciously might start interpreting the sugar as quote-unquote bad because of the negative health effects you might be noticing. Now, way earlier in the episode, I mentioned that a sugar craving is neither good nor bad. It's completely neutral. Same thing is true for sugar, of course. Sugar is just sugar. It can have an immediate quote-unquote good effect because of the dopamine, but then it can have negative long-term effects on your health, of course, which are considered to not be good. A sugar craving is neutral because it's not harmful. It's only harmful if you don't know how to manage it. And just a little side note, I will teach you how to start doing this in the upcoming workshop. And if you really want to get control of sugar cravings, I should probably tell you now that the October course inside Food Freedom is on managing sugar cravings. So just to let you in on that little secret. (laughs) So you get this along with everything else inside Food Freedom, but it's the only time I will be 
releasing this course. So to get that October course on managing sugar cravings, join Food Freedom When Doors Open. It comes with worksheets to help you as well, which make it easier to apply what you learn and become a pro at managing your sugar cravings. Now, there are, of course, things that can make a sugar craving worse, as I mentioned earlier, but another thing is if you eat more and more sugar. When you do this, your brain just craves more and more of it. The reason for this is very involved, and I won't pretend I'm an expert in the mesolimbic dopamine pathway because I definitely am not. What happens, though, is that less dopamine is released over time with the same amount of sugar and more of a craving occurs. So that's basically what happens in a nutshell. It is much more advanced than this, of course. If you were to graph out what happens with the dopamine levels when you eat sugar or use any other substance that releases dopamine through the mesolimbic dopamine pathway, the entire curve would shift downward. So that means less pleasure, but more craving to seek out the pleasure again. That stinks, right? This is why sugar cravings can be such a pain point for people because they feel that craving, they act on it, and then over time experience more cravings and less reward. This can cause you to eat more of the sugar over time just to try to experience that same level of reward that you were experiencing before or higher amounts of reward. So you might start out with a cookie every night after dinner, and some people don't necessarily eat any more than this, but many people over time that say start out with a cookie every night after dinner or something similar, end up eating more each time or eating them more frequently to try to get that same level of pleasure. And of course, the one cookie a night is just an example. If this is you, you may not have realized that this is why you are doing this. When it starts feeling out of control, that's when you start feeling like there's no hope. You might continue to fight these cravings without knowing how to manage them the effective way. Or you may just give in completely and think something like, well, I can't stop, so why bother caring anymore? You can stop though. You can stop acting on the feeling of a craving. You can decondition your brain to stop acting on the craving. You may have heard of the famous Pavlov's dogs. Ivan Pavlov demonstrated that his dogs got conditioned so they would salivate over just the ringing of a bell without food after they formed a link between the ringing of the bell and receiving the food. Just as they were conditioned to salivate though, they were also eventually deconditioned and after they rang the bell several times without giving the food to the dogs, the salivation and anticipation lessened until they no longer had those effects from the ringing of the bell. In the October course, I teach exactly how to decondition your brain from feeling the craving and automatically acting upon it. 
it's very effective. I also teach other tools you can use as well. So I hope to see you inside Food Freedom when doors open, and I'd love for you to join us in the How to Break a Sugar Habit workshop so that when you become a member, I can send you that gift. Thank you so much for listening in today. I know I threw a lot of information at you in the last 20 minutes, but I hope you found it interesting. And also, I think it's really helpful understanding to some degree what happens in your brain when it comes to sugar and cravings so you can see that it's all just completely normal and that our brains were set up with these pathways and systems to help increase our likelihood of survival, which is an amazing thing, right? All right, take care, my friend, and I'll talk with you soon. Hey, if you're ready to free yourself from your bad eating habits, then I invite you to join me inside Food Freedom, my membership made specifically for career women who want control of their eating habits without having to rely on willpower. To learn more, head on over to katemjohnston.com forward slash coaching. I'll see you there.